You're listening to the one-on-one football podcast, the number one podcast for Aussie rules, training, coaching, and development tips. Welcome back to the one-on-one football podcast. This is episode number seven with a special guest, Brett Deledio today. I'm your founder of one-on-one football, Andrew Rains, um, and I've got the pleasure always um, of the company with uh, the co-host, Harry Simington. How are you, mate? Yeah, going well, Ramsey. Uh, got another big episode in store today. We've uh, we've actually had Lids on our radar for a while now, wanting to get him on the podcast. Um, he's a former teammate of yours at Richmond, um, and obviously a big part of GWS in his in his last couple of years. Um, to kick things off, Ramsey, obviously you were in your second year um, of AFL when when Lids came to Richmond as a seventeen year old. How much of an impact did he have on the uh, on the playing group and um, and yourself as well? He's having, he's got a bit of a smirk there. I can see he's, uh, he walked in walked into Punt Row with those uh, those bright uh, coloured what we, what we call though. I reckon they were nice tips through, throughout his hair. He's pretty happy with those. A nice little chain I reckon he had around his neck. Um, but no, he had a huge impact on a personal level. Um, great mates with Leeds and um, obviously at Richmond there had a huge impact on field with the NAB Rising Star in his first year. Went on to um, two All Australians and two Jack Dyer medals. Um, and uh, without further ado, Lids, uh, welcome on board, mate. Thanks, boys. Uh, very kind of you, mate. Yeah, the, the hairdo back in the day was ordinary, um, and the uh, the old seashell necklace, mate. It was uh, a big <laughs> that hit was back it. In that five. was the one. That's right. Mm. I remember there was a. I reckon there was a double page spread in the Herald Sun, and we knew we were getting pick one. I think in my first year, and we're going. We're going to get this bike. He looks like a city slicker, but he's in the country. He's up from. He's down from Kyabram, but. No, he fit in really well, mate, So, um, and obviously went on a great career. Um, mate, today we're going to focus on, before Harry kicks off with the first question, we're going to focus on the skill and the art of run and carry in, in our game, which I think, obviously, you're okay. a, a specialist in, in that area. Um, and um, preparation um, for consistency, we'll talk about, obviously, your unique run you had with injuries and then, obviously, without injuries and then, obviously, with injuries at the back end of your career. But um, Harry's going to kick off the first question. Yep. Absolutely, mate. Now, um, before we get into the uh, into the into the nitty gritty, I just um, you wouldn't know this actually, but but I've played against you in a NFL match. Um, it was back in 2018, um, and it was your first game back after uh, after in- injury. I've confirmed some sc- some stats, mate. You actually racked up 32 touches, five tackles, and 13 clearances, which is not bad for your first game back after a couple mm. months on the sidelines. Um, do you have any memories of of that match at, at Giant Stadium? Yeah, I do. Um, it was uh, <laughs> the first half. I was actually going. I was going real well, and I ran out of petrol tickets, mate. Um, I had uh, that little skinhead um, playing on me, hanging off me in the last half. <laughs> what was his name? Uh, Dawson was it? Dawson. He's actually a Dawson. coach here at one on one, Jacob Dawson. Yeah, he was. He was hanging off me in the last half. Uh, but mate, we. I think we kicked like six goals, twenty three or something. So we should have put your boys away, but uh, ended up losing the game, I think. Um, it's a bit embarrassing, but, uh, uh, mate, it was good fun. It's, uh, NEFL was a good experience for me. I didn't get the chance to play any VFL footy down here in Melbourne, but playing the NEFL up there was, um, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, for sure. And I um, I guess my memory of that match um, was sort of the, the week leading up to it. Um, I've never been a part of a game where there was so much hype around a target player. I think our entire game plan changed purely just to try and minimise your impact on the game. Um, you know that would have had similar experiences at, at AFL level. Um, how did you approach game day knowing that you'd likely be um, a target player for the for the opposition? 
Uh, well, I think earlier, mate, I, I, in my career, I was I, I probably stressed me out more than anything, and I felt like I was getting I was hard done by, um, and I, I probably cracked it a little bit with my teammates for not pulling their weight um, and giving me a chop out more than anything else, apart from the great man uh, off half back charging around. I think it was more just learning to deal with um, just the expectation of, you know, yeah, you're a good player, so you, they're going to target you and try and limit your impact, but what can you do to to have an influence on the game? And, and that was the uh, the things that I just focused on. And I learned more about that, um, you know, later in my career, being able to, you know, if I wasn't having an impact on the ball, then I could go to half back. And if I was getting still hampered at half back, then I could go to half forward and, um, just being really flexible in my mindset more so than just being stuck down and uh, getting flat on myself and not getting a touch in the midfield or wherever else I was playing. So I think it was just more about understanding the the ebbs and flows of footy and um, taking it as a compliment, mate, that they wanted to stop me, I suppose, as, as much as that sucked and it was easy to say but harder to do. Yeah, well, and I was obviously there, mate, experienced that firsthand. And as an 18-year-old, I think, and, and getting the, you know, the Cameron Lings and these type of players playing on your Brett Kirk and, and, you know, it probably wasn't fair at the time because we weren't a, you know, a formidable outfit that Richmond are now. But um, in saying that, I think you're right. I think it, it helped helped you adapt to so many different roles and, and spread you around throughout the ground. And you could but then, by the end of your career, obviously could play in a, a multiple amount of positions instead of just playing on the ball and probably just becoming a... A midfielder, so I think that for any young footballers, I think that's the experience and the the lessons learned through that. Um, sometimes that attention's not easy, but um, yeah, I reckon that's that's sort of how it sort of ended up for you in terms of being able to be so flexible as a player. But in terms of the uh, the run and carry stuff, which we touched on at the start, um, you know, there's there's hype around having quick hands and being able to release release the ball quickly and disposing the ball quickly these days with the speed of the game. Um, but the under, under the end of the scale, maintaining possession and obviously driving your legs um, can be just as valuable, if not more. Um, was run and carry a trait that you always had, or did you, you know, sort of train that specifically over time? Uh, no, I think, mate. To be honest, like I was, uh, like the run and carry things. Like I, I was always been relatively quick. Uh, so Dad used to always just encourage me to to use my speed as much as I can because. You know, the quick ones are the ones that stand out, so to speak, mm -hmm. um, you know, and they, they're the ones that break the game open. I think that was a reason why that coaches used to, um, you know, like to try and limit that because you are you can become more than just a 40 or 50 metre player. You can, you know, if you can carry it 20 or 30 and then kick it 50, um, you become a 60, 70, 80 metre player. But I think uh, in terms of what we are talking about just a second ago and being tagged, if you're not getting as much of the footy, you need to make sure that your touches are really damaging and, if I saw some space, I, I just used to like to use that opportunity to really take that grass and tuck it under the arm, mate. And uh, mm. if I got a chance to, to run and bounce, and um, you know that, that used to give me a real thrill and the, the sound of the crowd. It would have sucked last year, but the sound of the crowd, mate, when you actually put it under the arm and away you go, mm. get a chance to break the paint and have a shot, mate. There's um, there's not too many better feelings out there uh, in, on the footy field. Yeah, for sure. And I was actually um rewatching some of your highlights during the week and I, I guess you, you really did play with a certain electricity um a great balance between inside and outside speed um it's one thing to, to be physically fast but it's another thing to actually trust your leg speed and and take the game on in the moment I've, I've seen a lot of young footballers who sort of struggle with that side of the game i mean obviously a little, a little bit scared maybe of, of getting caught holding the ball um how did you how did you learn to really back your legs? Um, was it was it purely a confidence thing, or do you put it down to, to something else? 
Uh, well, I suppose, Ranger, you probably back this up and how his intro would say that I was a pretty confident kid, um, you know, in terms of when I walked in. And made, but I think Plough was really good and the assistant coaches and even the older players were great at just saying, mate, uh, tuck it under the arm and, and go. If you get a chance, just uh, and take it on. Uh, I remember I got called for – I actually ran too far in a game in my first year, uh, right in the middle of the MCG. I didn't feel like I had – um, but the umpire called me for whatever. They, but the first message Moving came out. Fast, said, Don't mate. worry about that. Next time, <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Next time you get a chance, um, go again. And I was just like, well, if they're going to back me in, and that's what I, I used to love was making that, uh, a, a, you know, not a, I wouldn't say it's a trademark, but um, tucking it under the arm and, and trying to kick goals from um, around the 50 mark was something that I used to really enjoy. Yeah, I remember those days at Plough, and he was obviously a really good coach for both of us, and especially um, with the roles we were both playing, sort of running carry. And I remember him saying, sort of, if you get caught, he's, he's not going to drag you, he's not going to get up you. I think that gives you the confidence to actually want to take him on every time you get the ball. And I think for coaches out there to be able to promote um, that in, in terms of not every player out there, obviously the ones that have the leg speed and have got the ability to take them on mm. um, and run and carry, I think that's really important from a coach's aspect. And then obviously the football and knowing okay, well, if I've got a coach that backs me in, I can do it every time. And as we know, the, once you're out there, I think the gain's, um, you know, 95% above above the ears or between the ears. So I think that's, um, you know, the, the, the important one there. But from a te- technical point of view, mate, the ability to bounce um, the actual ball is a, is a bit of an art. Um, your ability to bounce at full yep. flight would have required a fair bit of practice. I know that I used to um, obviously have the ball out on my own a fair bit in the backyard when I was growing up and just being able to bounce it consistently obviously teaches you that. You see a lot of kids these days and they bounce it and they either bounce it too close or too far out or obviously they don't get the point sort of right. Was there, was there much practice early days um, that you sort of you brought that down to in the backyard or with your brother? Yeah, yeah, I mate, absolutely. I think uh, I'm a right-hander, but I actually, towards the, like, uh, once I became in the AFL, I actually preferred to bounce it with my left um, because I just practice it so much. But also, I think in the under-12s, mate, you're only allowed, to, when I play back in Kai, you're only allowed to bounce it twice before you had to kick it. Um, so, like, it, you really didn't get up many opportunities. So then once I got out of that, I was like, right, I, um, no more limits. I'm going <laughs> for on. as many bounces as I can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, mate, it was um, trying to do it at full speed was something that I used to really practice. And it'd be like when we we're warming up, when you're doing your stride throughs and whatever else, and they say, well, the coach says, right, let's really open up. I'll make sure I have a ball. And then I'm practicing it um, early morning session. When it's dewy, it's, you know, you've got to bounce it differently. Um, I remember one day, even Joel Bowden, the great, the Bowd, uh, gave bad. me a bit of feedback on one where the ball just slipped through. He said, why don't you turn the ball over when you're running um, so it hits the laces and it'll come back. Fair enough, try that. But, oh, it actually works, Joel. Well done. You, you gave me one tip. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but no, mate, look, it was something you just you practice over and over until you became that comfortable. You didn't have to look down at the ball when you were bouncing. You could just be up and scanning the field and be bouncing, running, carrying. Um, and I, I certainly wasn't like he sure where it was every two steps. I'm putting it on the ground. But um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, mate, I, I used to love it. It was, it was great. It's not a bad one, yeah, actually, with the with the lace. The lace. That's actually not a bad tip yeah. for a few footballs out there. Try it. and then it, with different um, with different uh, conditions too. Obviously, a bit dewy and things like that. Mm. You're not going to be able to do it as much, but finding different ways to sort of do it because um, I mean the old balk down on on the ground and, and pat the ball down in the wet. Sometimes it works, but if you can actually do it at full tilt with a bit of dew, it's actually a fair fair bit of a weapon. But just before Harry moves on to his next question, a key stat I forgot to mention. 
Um, eighth most bounces in the history of the game, Lids. Um, average nearly two a game and 528 in total. Done my research. Yeah, well, thanks, mate. I actually reckon did, if the game hasn't you know changed so much. <laughs> yeah, I did, actually. Um, <laughs> um, mate, yeah, I reckon I would have had more, too. You had the, the game's changed so much where everyone, you haven't got enough space anymore. Back when we started, Rangy, like, there's, there was so much room. If you got a half-back, you could have nearly five or six bounces before you delivered inside 450. But now, the ball moves faster, apparently, so the coaches don't actually rate it that much. Um... So, yeah, there's not as much bouncing. I don't think we'll see those records broken, to be completely honest with you. Well, it's, it's funny you say that. I might lead on to my next one. Harry, you jump in after, after this yeah, one. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's on that note, I, mean, I was going back through the stats in all seriousness. I think it was 2007 or something. I think I played 22 games. I, had, oh, I was 60 or 60-odd 60 bounces for the year, which is nearly three a game. And I think you were sort of 70 or 80, which is... You know that's that's phenomenal in terms of in 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 this day and age you just wouldn't see that. So, did you? I, I definitely noticed the difference. But obviously, leading on to sort of that density in the game, um, you played it obviously a bit bit longer than me. Obviously, in this sort of new age type of systems with the with the press and the density in the ground. Did you notice that was a huge shift from from that? And then how did how did that affect your game? And how did you sort of combat that from obviously being able to have less space and that run and carry obviously free up what you usually used to. Yeah, I suppose the biggest thing, mate, was uh, just utilising your speed more so to get off your opponent, to actually make space to um, to get the footy. But knowing that you, there was always going to be someone further down the field that you'd give it to versus taking bounces. Um, mm. And it's just become a, a much more um, team-oriented game where it used to be all about give it to your users. Um, if you're not a great kick or... Um, you're not a user, get in there and block. Whereas now it's like everyone can kick, everyone can mm. distribute the footy, move the, the ball on, get it further down the field. And that allows our backmen to come up and press up the ground mm. and get this congestion that we're talking about. So, um, yeah, mate, it's, you just got to, you have to just adjust it. You certainly didn't get the uh, the plaudits that you did back in the day for running and carrying and being a high metres game player because it's, it's, the game's just changed so much. Mm. Yeah, for sure, and that's a that's a really great segue into the into the next question. Um, obviously, meters gain is is perhaps a little bit, or, or, or the, the players that, are, that have really high numbers in the meters gain is a little bit more, let's say, rare today. Um, and if you've got a long kick, you'll do pretty well. Um, if you've got speed, you'll do pretty well. Um, but it really is a combination of both that, that breaks lines and, and and really puts the opposition on the back foot. Um, were there any players that, that you sort of modelled your kicking on, your, particularly kicking on the run? Um, was there any in particular that you, you sort of looked up to or, or tried to copy in the backyard growing up? Uh, not, not so much in the backyard. It was probably more so... I, mate, I loved Juddy when I was coming through. Yep. Um, wanted to wear the long sleeves like him, the number three, obviously. Um, uh, but like, I just wanted to be able to kick at speed and, uh, and burst out of packs was a big thing. But... Mate, in terms of speed and being able to deliver, was Andrew McLeod was probably the one that comes to mind. Just yep. silky smooth, um, like he he could be at full flight, but then just hit these beautiful just touch kicks. And that was one thing that I really used to pride myself on. Is yeah, you're going flat out, but let's still be able to hit our targets to a big forward that's coming out at you. Know, let's not put it over his head. Let's not put it at his feet. Um, and that's what I try and teach young kids today. Is like. Be able to run flat out, but then take two or three steps, compose, mm. and then just try and drop it. And use your momentum that you've got with your um, your speed. You don't have yeah. to kick the cover off the footy. Just allow that just to sit, so then it's easier to catch as well. So, 
Um, yeah, mate, that that probably the two players that I uh, I used to love watching the most. Yeah, that's um, that's that's really interesting. You say that. I think um, I'm quite interested in in, in running biomechanics, and I think it, you see it a lot. That often the really good runners are also the good kickers, um, especially kicking on the run. I think if you can if you can become um, let's say efficient with the way that you move, the the kicking's not um, it's not a different action. It's just part of the run. Um, and like you said, you spend less energy, but you still get momentum from the kick. Um, did you just on the topic of, of running obviously speed was a, a big part of your game did you have anyone that, that helped you with your with your speed and agility or your running technique um any any sort of biomechanists that you worked with over the years or was it all natural uh i used to crack it with buckets coford um he uh <laughs> he used to try and teach us uh, how to run and i'd be like mate please Give us spell buckets quickly yeah <laughs> He goes, no, but I'll make Rainsy you faster. Spent time yeah, you. right. Um, yeah. Um, he's just ruined your yeah, day, no, Harry. Mate. Harry's a, Harry's a, he's a biomechanic <laughs> freak. He just he, he gets off on on technique and everything lids, and he, he does research studies. He's um you know, he's right into it on a serious note. So just, I think he just ruined his day. No, Sorry, he's got to got to help the uh, the normal population, Ramsey. <laughs> Uh, I was definitely blessed with that. Mm. And, and for our younger listeners that go to sort of the draft camp or, or sort of I've got aspirations to make a draft camp or to do the testing days that they do through academies throughout Australia and things like that that we do in the talent space. Um, I remember you were the one to beat, mate, in the 20-metre dash um, when we used to do the old testing um, stuff at, at Richmond. Uh, I think you held the 20-metre record. Um, what was the, for our listeners that are trying to get sub three, what was your 20-metre, be- your best 20-metre dash? Uh, mate, well, we did we did two different ones. So my best, uh, I think, for just the standing twenty, like right on the line, uh, was like a two eight eight. But then we did one where we started like uh, right. fifty centimeters back. I think. Well, it was but it was only fifty centimeters, so you sort of just had momentum to go through the gates. And I think I did like a two six four or something um, on that one. So, mate, they don't, yeah. It, this is all just on a basketball court, but um, yeah, two eight eight was my best mate, and it's um, skinny kid. <laughs> That's the standard. That's the standard. <laughs> um, Lids, mate. So just um, moving on now into into sort of the other topic, which is um, preparation, not only to perform, but preparation for to perform consistently um, and battling adversity and um, throughout your career. We. Um, at the Melbourne Masterclass a couple of weeks ago, um, one of the kids asked you about your pre-game habits um, and how they helped you to, yep. to consistently perform. Um, I might get you to yeah, answer the, the same question for, for our listeners. Um, what was your was your pre-game routine and, and, and why did you find that so effective? Yeah, well, I think a big thing that I used throughout my career was the five Ps, is preparation prevents piss-poor uh, performance. Um, so, look, I, mate, I did the same thing from almost my main session uh, right the way through until game day. Uh, so I knew before kids and after kids, mate, it changed a little bit. Like uh, you know, when you uh, haven't got kids, you a lot of free time and you, you can do as you please. But um, you become a little bit more relaxed in terms of your preparation. Um, you have to be, mate, because uh, you're getting pulled in different positions, um, you know, different places. <laughs> There's different requirements um, before a game. But, mate, I suppose, Look, I'd um, so if I was going from let's go from captain's run, like I'd uh, captain's run, always have um, ice bars after that, go for lunch into um, you know, just being home and like trying to keep stay busy until I'd eat the same 
Um, same feed nearly every night. Um, and a lot of times when I was here at Richmond, I'd have um, Shawnee Grigg and, and Dusty Martin um, come over. And when we were like just starting under dimmer, we had a lot of young boys. So I used to bring a whole big crew over, mate. They used to test out my cooking skills um, <laughs> in terms of being able to, to, to make bulk. But um, it would always be like a chicken, rice, lots of veggies, dish um so hitting the carbs and also like just getting some some nutrients in there um into a block of chocolate mate or well, not quite a block of chocolate but i'd always have um some chockey uh the night before a game i heard anthony stevens say that uh when he come and spoke to us one day at the tigs and i was like i like that i'm gonna start trying that um, <laughs> so that became my thing mate was um but, and then also, like, I'd sip on, um, this is through the great Matty Hornsby, who was my first fitness coach. Um, great man. Two, two, yeah, great man. Two Gatorades. Um, I'd sip between uh, five and six and six and seven. I'd just sip on them, mate, and um, get get my way through those. Watch most of the footy, if not all of it, um, depending on how late it started. Into bed by 10, 10.30. Um, try and get a good night's sleep, depending on how big the game was the next day. Next day up, I'd try and sleep as long as I could, to be honest. Um, prior to kids, I'd try and get through to 9 o'clock, 8.30, 9 o'clock. Uh, with kids, it's uh, 6.37, I suppose. Uh, makes for a long day if you've got a night game that night. Um, yeah, breakfast, uh, porridge, um, most of the time with fruit and um Whatever on a big, I used to make a um, Kane Johnson was my mentor for a while. He made got me on this really good green smoothie. Your, your missus would be very proud of that, um, Andrew. Hundred um, uh, percent. And then just start sipping away on uh, either hydrolyte um, or or water. Um, Coffee is a big part of my routine, so I'd be making sure that I'd have um, I'd be going for a walk. So prior to kids, I'd be taking taking the dog down to the coffee shop, go for a walk. Uh, come back, just tick around the house pretty much, always hand on a footy. So I'd always have a footy there that I'd just be kicking through doors and touching all the time. Uh, lunch, I'd try and get out for lunch. So myself and Grigger used to go and um, meet. Uh, we'd take our dogs to the park and go for a walk somewhere to be out of the house for over an hour. Then we'd go for lunch um, somewhere around either Richmond or Hawthorne, Malvern, where we're living. Um, another coffee probably then. Um and then I'd go into probably about a shutdown time where I just really say, well, if I'm playing a night game, I'd be into a shutdown period where I'd just be put on a movie or what, the game that's on that day, really kick back, do not much, um, you know, make it as dark as I can uh, in our lounge room and, and just try and shut off for a little while. Um, but I set my alarm to, you know, before three, four o'clock, um, you know, before I knew that I had to start really getting mo moving, and, and I was a real early preparer, so I'd be um, I'd be at the ground at least two and a half hours before the game. So I knew that if I was playing at seven, that I'd have to eat by three. So I'd be up, showered, into the pool. I'd jump, sorry, jump in the pool first, um, just to spark the system, um, and then into the shower, have my feed, which would either be like eggs on toast or. Um, or some baked beans or tin spaghetti or something like that, just something that I could fill my guts up with. Uh, and then another coffee pretty much just as I'm leaving. Um, fully fully jacked now on caffeine and, uh, yeah, heading into the ground, mate, where I'd, be, I'd have the Metallica playing um, and all the way into the ground. And, um, system of a down, yeah, I reckon, mate, turns <laughs> Yeah, mate, you love your system of a down. Um, and... 
Yeah, mate. I get to the grounds and then my pregame routine would just start. So, mate, and that gave me real confidence just going all the way through that. Uh, I know it was pretty long-winded and everyone would probably go to sleep listening to that. But, um, mate, I, I used to get real confidence out of doing the same thing over and over. No, we love it, mate. And that's what it's about, this whole show, just going really deep into what ex- ex- expert or, or former um, player and, and, and uh, or coach um, brings for that wealth of knowledge to our to our viewers or our listeners because it's just it's those little things you don't hear too much and, and again sort of uh, echoes through we must have uh, we must have come through the same system because I reckon I was sort of going tick 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 I reckon I did a lot of those things and um, and again it's 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 nearly it's it is draining like you think after the end of your career that's probably why you do, it, I did it a bit too I sort of shifted a tiny bit well I didn't have kids it was more so just sort of a bit more relaxed but those early days I remember it was just like clockwork and. That's why the end. I think the end of the season we used to let our hair down a bit because it was just it was it was really full on and and that's and that's just that's twenty four hours forty eight hours pre game. That's and just most professionals like yourself would say that it starts straight after the game and and you could probably spend a whole another you know day on here talking about that and I think um, our listeners would love that too. But it's 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 it just the attention to detail and I can't help that um, more strongly. Um, the attention to detail. With an athlete, is yeah, it's just clockwork time and time again. Um, it's so important and probably sends on to my next um, question around um, four games you missed in your first nine years, which looking back, and I knew you didn't miss too many, but doing my research last night was incredible. I think it's, um, you know, no doubt you need some luck with that. Um, and the biggest contributing factor, I think, is is the preparation and professionalism, exactly what we sort of spoke about before. But I witnessed firsthand how much of a pro you were. Um, did this sort of take time? And again, probably relate, or probably backing up your last sort of statement around your, your preparation. But did this this sort of happen over over time in throughout your AFL career and journey? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. No, I, I think, mate. To be honest, like I, um, yeah. It did take a little bit of time. Probably my, my first year was just a whirlwind, as you would have seen probably the same with yourself when you first come in. It's um, You're just doing everything and it just happens. You don't think about it. Everything's just going on. Mm. And, uh, yeah, your head's spinning. But um, I came, I remember going away. I was lucky enough to play in the International Rules Series um, at the end of that year. And I thought that that was going to be enough training for me. So I didn't, I didn't train anywhere near hard enough. And then I came back and ran a shocking time in our ten time trial, uh, which is a horrific run. Um, oh, I, I got a run. real kick in the backside. <laughs> yeah, true. But I got a real kick in the backside um, from from Matty Hornsby and um, from um, from Sugar Kane Johnson as well. They just said, mate, this is just not um, like right. If you if you want to miss these second year blues, um, which is what everyone talks about, and it's. I didn't think I had it, but now when I look back, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I actually did suffer from it. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's like your numbers still look the same in terms of how you're performing and uh, your, your possession rate and whatever else, but your impact on games was it really was just it didn't it never rose again. It just yeah. plateaued. Um, and I really learned a lesson from that. I remember finishing my second year, um, and I was filthy on myself with where I finished in the BMF. I thought I could have been better. So I just went out and I was just like, right, I'm changing this. Um, if I'm going to be any good, I'm going to train as hard as I possibly can. So I just flogged myself um, from almost the day after the BNF right through until when we came back. And I was just like, I'm coming back with, um, you know, in ripping shape. Man, I was never a, a blessed runner, um, but I used to know that if I came back and I presented really well, and I felt good about myself that I'd, I know I'd, I'd done the work um, that I could 
give myself every opportunity. Uh, at the end of that year, I was lucky enough to finish. Uh, that was three games that I actually missed because I broke my hand halfway through the year. Um, with the three of the, the four that I missed. Uh, and finished fifth in the BNF, and I was like, that's not enough. I want more. Um, I've got to go again. So brother was playing uh, back up at Kyabram. As soon as we finished, we weren't playing finals as per usual. Um, so I went back up there and um, started training with my brother, who was still playing finals for, for Kai. Um, so I'm doing a full session. This is only weeks after the season finished. I'm doing full training sessions and then doing some running on the top of that, thinking, right, I've got to... Uh, I got to get fitter. If I can get fitter, that maybe that'll that'll make me better. Hopefully, that makes us better. Um, so, you know, that year ended up winning my first BNF, um, and I really started to see the benefits of training hard, preparing really well, and I was able to cover the ground so much better. Um, and so I was like, right, this has become a habit now. This is what I want to do. Um, so I think, but in the end, mate, it catches up with you. Um, so you have to be, you have to be a lot smarter. And because I, I trained like almost right the way through the year and didn't really give myself any chance to, to really um, kick my heels up, I um, I used to. I think that's what caught up with me at the uh, end of my career. Is that you know I'd worked so hard for so long, and as you said, played nine years without, well, hardly missing a game or a session, mind you. Um, by the end, your body just says, right, oh, no, mate, at that level, I just don't think you can keep up. So, um, yeah, mate, I wouldn't change it for the world. I, I think that's what made me the player that I was. But I think these day and age, this day and age, you, you, there's certainly uh, better ways to go about it. And we're a lot smarter in how, what we expect of kids and, um, and how they prepare themselves and perform. But in my, in, you know, word of advice is uh, go out hard and, and try and hold on. That was my philosophy right the way through. And, um, you know, keep going until you till you slow down, and you'll never get told off. I I didn't believe, and I never did get told off because I just went hard. And then if I conked out at the end, well, I conked out. That's just the way it went. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a that's a great attitude to have, and I like the way that you said it. Um, it became a habit, and it was just it, it was how you trained. It wasn't that um, it wasn't abnormal, I guess, to, to to give your best. And um, on the flip side, you just mentioned about um about being being smart about how you train as well and i was reading an article i think you wrote for afl um pa the, the the players association about um managing workload and um and and yeah how to do that um retrospectively and um i think the the more motivated you are the harder you work and um and more motivation to to do extras is a consistent trait amongst all successful athletes it can um i guess sometimes come at a, at a cost if, if recovery isn't prioritized as well um What's your advice to, to young footballers out there who um, might not have sort of experienced, um, you know, whether it's overtraining or, um, or you know, fatigue or stress injuries yet? Um, do you have any advice based on your experiences? Yeah, my advice is ask questions, uh, I think, and follow the advice of the guys that actually are giving you the programs. Don't think that you know better. I, I didn't think I knew better. I just didn't take the a lot of time that they gave me off. I just thought that I could get a leg up on the competition, um, you know, and make myself better by doing that. I think the biggest thing is just to really, um, if if you do feel like you need to train, do stuff that's not um, that's not low bearing on your on your on your limbs. So get get in the pool and swim, or get on the bike, um, do some boxing, you know, because you know you don't run on your arms. Uh, as, as hard as I tried to. Um, <laughs> look, I think it's, um, you know, different different ways of looking at it that way, I think is probably the best, Harry. Like, I, um, 
just going out there and just running or um, I've even had some kids that we look after now and said, oh, I'm going to play a practice game on Thursday and then I'm thinking about playing for my local club on the Saturday. I was like, oh, mate, the, the great man Benny Cars told me you can only go back to the well so many times. Um, you, you don't want to... Um, you don't want to be going back there and the water's dry. So you, mm. you got to, you got to take your rest when you get your chances. And that was, um, that in retrospect, retrospectively, as you said, that's something that I, I took way too long to learn. It probably wasn't until I had a clean out in my, uh, in my knee and could only do bike and swimming for most of the off season. And I came back and still ran really well that I realized there's other ways of doing this, um, versus just vlogging myself training wise and whatever else. So, um, yeah, mate, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, it's yeah, a, absolutely. It's, it's a real balancing act, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah, it is a balance. I think it, it leads an old blessed with. So, I mean, we didn't have the success at Richmond when we first started there, but we had so many great... Um, I'll talk, talk about the older players and the mentors that we had at the time, Richo and Wayne Campbell and Kane Johnson and Brownie, even though Brownie probably wasn't the best best, uh, best runner, but just <laughs> some really good mentors on... You know, great, great level, high level players, but just had the and we were probably the back end of the old school approach. So that they came through the yes. generation where they train hard, party hard, um, and we used to sort of have that approach in terms of just go hard. You know, sort of w when you're in there, go hard, go hard. And yeah, you had, I mean, you talk about Matty Hornsby, who's one of the greats, um, high performance coaches I think I ever had. He just just his ability to sort of connect and his educational. Um, uh, sort of advice around, you know, workload, exactly what was sort of touched on then was really good. But again, I don't think there's any regrets in there, mate. I think um, that's sort of what you learn. And then you can sort of pass that on when you've got a bit more balance um, with your life. And I think you did that when you did the move to GWS and, and sort of moving moving up there and, and sort of passing on your knowledge um, to the sort of next generation coming through. Although it probably wasn't a successful, you know, you could probably not what you imagined to be on field. Um, I'm sure there would have been a lot of successes on the way um, about sort of the setbacks you had through the injury and learning about yourself and obviously passing on to the um, next generation. How was your time up there with, with, with the younger younger squad and obviously being a bit more of a mentor and older player? Yeah, you, you're right, mate. It was it was different up there. Um, I, I just went up there with the attitude, especially early, that I was just going to set the example with how hard I trained. Um and it worked for the first six weeks, and then I got my first calf, little Nick, while I was uh, up there. Uh, and look, it just ended up, uh, we just couldn't get it right. I think I kept trying to come back. When we thought it was right, it wasn't. We just didn't go slow enough, I think. And ended up taking me until like round 17 to play my first game. Mm -hmm. um, and when you go to a new club, mate, there's nothing worse than sitting on the sidelines with you got this expectation of yourself and um, and you can feel that from the outside world as well. I think I was it was good that I was in Sydney for that time. I didn't go to a Victorian club because I didn't have to see all the the noise and feel extra pressure because uh, Sydney, you can get away from it all up there a fair bit. But, uh, mate, I, I, I did enjoy my time up there. Like, uh, as you said, it wasn't uh, what I played. After you said what I played nine years with missing mm. four games, I played three years and played only 32. Um, so look, mate, it's, it, it was completely different for me. And it was really hard with a young family when I'm miserable uh, in my headspace, trying to be a, a good dad and a good husband, um, because I'm constantly battling uh, calf injuries and, and whatever else. Uh, well, it wasn't really whatever else. It was just calf injuries. Um, look, yeah, mate, I think I'm, uh, 
Upon reflection, mate, like, I absolutely loved it. it it's made me, a, a, I looked in, on the world a hell of a lot different now than um, than what I did prior to that. I was very comfortable when I was at the Tigers. Obviously, living in Malvern, not too far away from, from the club, my, my in-laws were five minutes away. Um, to go on up there and just only being able to rely on your wife and um, and the people at the club makes you very sufficient in, in how you, you get around. But, mate, just... Adding that chapter to our life, um, you know, and experiencing something completely different is um, something that I really encourage other young people to do, whether that's, you know, whether you're playing professional sport or not. Go out and see the world, go and travel a little bit, go and see what it's like to live on your own and, uh, you know, and have to fend for yourself a bit. But, mate, we also had a lot of other things going on in our uh, in our family life. Um, you know, my brother-in-law lost his wife and his little son um, all within the space of five months. Like, that's... Comparing that to calf injuries, mate, like it's chalk and cheese. Like they're, that doesn't doesn't even matter. Um, so, mate, that was probably a lot tougher than what it was to be um, to be injured on the sidelines. To, to have to try and support your family going through that, or my wife's family going through that, versus worrying about me coming back to play footy. Like, yeah, mate, it was insignificant. No, um, although we like to think that footy is really important, um, mate, when those sorts of things are happening, it's it's minuscule. Uh, spot on. I think um, it was a good point. I remember catching up for lunch with you in Sydney. I think it might have been your last year or or, um, or maybe your second last year, and, and we spoke about that. Obviously, as you touched on before, with some off-field stuff and some tragedy with the fan, which was absolutely terrible. And we spoke about, obviously, the injuries, how they're just not, you know, they're, they're not significant, you know, just in the in the scheme of things in life and things like that. And I know I learned a lot when I, I moved into state and, came back up to Queensland and you had had a lot of injuries in Melbourne and you get, sort of get to escape a bit and you learn a lot about yourself and the character that you are. I think it sets you up for the person you are sort of today, which is which is great. Um, and the importance of family, which I think is um, you know, critical for anyone out there. So in sort of a nutshell, mate, where would you sort of pro- – like any young guys out there, today, young girls, footballs and things like that, in terms of priorities, how would you sort of – um, you know, try and you know, you've got obviously you've got the school school stuff for young kids coming through off field stuff, and 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 obviously distractions. Then footy, they want to put all the eggs in one basket. But at the end of the day, there's family too. What were your sort of priorities at yep. the end of the day? Oh, mate. Well, at the end of the day, uh, at the end of my career, family was always first. Um, you know, dad, two uh, two beautiful little girls uh, now, and and about to be three. Um, so I'm going to be playing. Hard defense uh, for a number of years, mate. Um, That's all you defended. Oh, I wasn't. <laughs> I knew that. I set myself up for that. Um, but, mate, yeah, I think early on, like I, I was, uh, I, I, I put all my time and effort. And Katie, uh, my wife, will tell you this as well. I put a lot of effort into preparing myself to make sure that I was ready to go to the point where I, I almost drove a wedge between us in terms of. Uh, her and her friends and social events and whatever else. Mm. I didn't want to be seen at the pub for a dinner or anything like that, even if it was two or three nights out from a game. I was like, listen, I've got footy to play uh, and this is what pays the bills for me. This is what I love and I'm and I'm invested in this. Um, and as I got older, you start to realise that you can do those things and if you, unless you're going out and, and carrying on uh, and getting real loose a couple mm. of nights before the game, which I would never, ever have done right from when I was a young bloke and I had my first beer to when, uh, to even at the back end, like it was just, yeah, footy was what I did, um, you know, during the winter. And then, um, mate, 
Dur but during the week, I think family, mate, was at the back end of my career. Family was what uh, kept my mind away from the things that were I was struggling with, with uh, injuries and uh, performance and whatever else. So, mate, yeah, mate, I think for, for young kids now, like schooling's a big thing for them. Like, uh, you don't get a second chance uh, at school. I mean, you you got to really put as much time and effort into that. Because I've realised now, once you come out of the game, although you think you're going to be sweet and someone's going to be there waiting with a job and ready to go, mm. they're not. Um, and you really need to have that your study behind you. And, and especially, this is what I say to my young boys that I look after now: is let's let's have something else to tick away at um, throughout your career. Even if you're just chipping away at one, two subjects, um, one subject for the year or whatever. Like just so you got you, you're ticking away at something. We've, a guy in our company, Dave Mundy, has just completed after 14 or 15 years. He's a marine biologist, fully qualified. You know, like it's. Um, it just goes to show that you mm. don't have to get it all done in one year. It's too hard. Um, but tick away at it, um, and it just—I think it correlates both ways. In the schooling for young kids before they get drafted, complete—you put as much effort into that as you do your footy. But then once you're in, have something else that you can really focus on and um, take your mind away from just footy because it can become a little bit all too encompassing. Yes, spot on, mate. I think it's a really good wrap. And just to sort of see where the priorities do change from a young buck, obviously, to the to the elder statesman over time. But then you adjust and adapt with that, like life in general, I suppose. And it's uh, before we before we wrap up with with Harry. Before I pass it over to uh, Tim to wrap up, I just want to um, yeah give the listeners a bit of a just a quick sort of um, summary and sort of what you're doing these days with Max Sport and and hopefully some young um, boys or girls out there might jump on board with the with the great man. Oh, they should, mate. Absolutely. Uh, I think uh, well, this co the company that I'm with, uh, they, they were the guys that I signed on with when I was 16 years old. And so I've been with um, Anthony Macca um, since since then, MSP, um, you know, for 17 years and now uh, fully accredited myself, mate, and, and looking looking after some young boys coming through. Uh, and, mate, to be honest, I... I look at it more as a mentorship at the moment until the boys are actually drafted, you know, really just help them talk about the stuff that we've spoken about here today and just being an ear and giving them some tricks and things to, that they can work on with them, uh, their game, but also outside of that. And uh, I, like, I tell my boys, it's like, you know, made a problem sh uh, shared is a problem halved. You know, you don't want to be going out there and, and really feeling like you're, you're carrying the number 55 on your back. Um, mm. you, you don't want the, the extra weight. You need to be out there and feeling light and, and free when you're playing. So, mate, it's, uh, it's, mate, it's, I got my foot in the door with my, with the footy stuff. Um, I'm not, a, I'm not a, a, a full-time coach with, with anyone. I'm just, uh, looking after the boys that we've got on board and, Always looking to sign up more, mate. They uh, love looking after the kids. Yeah, for sure, mate. And um, obviously, able to pass on a lot of a lot of knowledge in um, in, a, in a great career in the AFL, um, mate. Thanks so much for, for coming on the podcast. We've um, we've we've reached the uh, the end, and uh, mate, I'm I'm sitting here just lapping everything up. I've I've learned a lot, and uh, makes me want to get back out in the uh, on the field and, and learn to run and carry. Um, <laughs> Lids, mate, thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast. It's, um, it's been awesome. Um, hopefully the listeners got, uh, got plenty out. And, um, yeah, best of luck with, um, with everything you're doing at the moment with Mac. Look forward to it, boys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Lids. Legend, mate. Love you, buddy. Thanks for listening to the One-on-One -on -one Football Podcast. If you got something out of today's episode, we'd love it if you could leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you want to stay updated on special guests, new episodes, and more, please subscribe to the show on your chosen platform. And finally, if you have any questions for Rainsy or myself, or you want to get a particular guest on the show, please reach out. Our email address is podcast at one-on-onefootball.com.au. Thanks, guys. We'll see you for the next episode.